Testament. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to focus this morning. We closed out our series last week that we were calling Back to the Basics. And my plan for the past few months has been, and I even told you last week, I planned this week to start a new series that would carry us into Easter and usher us into that great celebration that we have planned on Easter weekend. But as this week passed and different events took place, Thursday night, which is really late for a pastor to start thinking about changing a message, (laughs) Thursday night I was beginning to be drawn to go in another direction based on the things and the events that were going on around us. And we left off last week in 1 Peter, and that's where I want to go back to today. And here's the reason why, because Peter is writing this letter. Peter is writing this book to the church and to a, great, uh, to a, a group of people that were facing great uncertainty about the future. They were facing and, and going through uh, great trials and persecution and suffering and not knowing what tomorrow would hold for them or what tomorrow would hold uh, for their family. They don't understand why they're going through what they're going through or what they should even be doing about it. And so I think that it's helpful for us as followers of Jesus to see that the Bible addresses these very things for us. Uh, The Bible uh, uh, writers don't hide themselves from this question of what are we to do when we face uncertain times and what are we to do when we're facing certain uh, uncertainty and and, and tragedy and suffering. And, And the Bible writers Uh, that we have are fully aware of the problem that exists between suffering and understanding and having faith in a good God. They understood this friction and this conflict that was taking place between people who were suffering and people who didn't know what the future held and the faith that they should have between Uh, in a loving and good God. Back at this time, you need to understand their culture. Everyone assumed that good people were rewarded for their goodness and for being good people. And bad people, uh, well, they would, you know, be punished for being bad people. They thought back then if you had a disability or you had something wrong with you or, or, or you were going through great trials or, or, or tribulations or suffering, they believed that the cause of that was because you had something bad in your life or something bad in your family. And so this was the culture back then. If bad things were happening to you, you obviously deserved them for something that you had done. But now, what are they seeing take place here? They're seeing innocent people. They're seeing their family members. They're seeing people that they know and they love, who they know to be good followers of Jesus Christ. They're now seeing them 
being persecuted. And they're seeing them being tortured. And they're seeing them being executed. And they're going through, the church is growing through this great time of uncertainty and, and, and suffering and trials. And Peter and the people that he's writing to are living this out firsthand. Right? A few years ago. There was a staff pastor that was on staff at a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And they experienced a horrible tragedy in their family. Their family was returning home uh, one evening and they were traveling and they were hit by a truck. It was Gentry and Hadley Eddings are their names. Their two-year-old son was killed immediately upon impact in the wreck. And Hadley, the wife, was eight months pregnant with their second son. And she survived the wreck, but had to uh, have the baby delivered by emergency C-section. And the newborn was pronounced dead upon birth. Their senior pastor had to stand before the church. Stand before the ones that they loved and share and deliver this tragic news to the church. And here's what he said to the congregation that day as he stood before them. He said, Gentry and Hadley are beloved by us all. He is a man of enormous integrity. They both possess a very deep faith in God. But that faith will be challenged in the days and weeks to come like no other time. In the online story that was published there in the local newspaper, a lot of people were able to comment on the story there. And someone posted a question there uh, online and asked this, How could a loving God allow this to happen to one of his own servants? And the pastor sharing this story said, To that I would say the same way he allowed his only son to go to a cruel, rugged cross and die for the sins of the world. And you know, that question, why? That's a question that has been asked all throughout the ages. And I would just tell you, today it's okay to ask why. It's okay to go to God and say why. We even see Jesus as he's going through uh, these horrific events that take place at the end of his life. He even asked why. So, so it's okay to ask why. You know, uh, it, it's a question that many of us have probably asked at one time or another in our past, but especially over this past week. Why is all this happening? Why do bad things happen? And why do bad things happen to good and innocent and uh, people? This question was once asked to C.S. Lewis. Why do the righteous suffer? And he responded, why not? They are the only ones who can take it. <laughs> Think about it. We of all people ought to be the ones to be able to take it and endure it. And he makes a good point because if you read the Bible, it's filled with suffering. It's filled with uncertainty. It's filled with, 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 with people who are going through difficult times. The book of Job spends 42 chapters on the subject. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Habakkuk, and other uh, Old Testament books spend a great deal of time speaking to human suffering and tragedy and uncertainty. And you can read in, in great detail uh, the struggles and suffering the children of Israel faced in the wilderness. And they are 
the children of God. And, and, but yet we still read about their captivity and their slavery and their misery. The children of God. About one-third of the Psalms that are recorded in your Bibles talk about doubt, talk about frustration, disillusionment, disappointment and pain and helplessness and uncertainty. And then you turn over to the New Testament and we see unbelievable suffering by God's only Son. Jesus faced as much pain and suffering as anyone could possibly face as a human being. Terrible suffering as life drained from his abused body. And folks, if God would allow that to happen to his own son, then why in the world would we expect to be exempt from suffering or pain or uncertainty in our lives and in our world? Also in the New Testament, after Jesus, we see terrible suffering uh, in the lives of his disciples. And the followers of, of Jesus, many times they were arrested, they were beaten, they were ex, uh, exiled, they were beheaded, they were crucified, they were stoned, they were pierced with swords, and they were burned alive. You want to complain about your quarantine and lack of toilet paper? We ain't seen nothing. We have faced nothing. We know nothing of suffering and trials for the sake of Jesus Christ. Since the beginning of the Christian church, Christians have suffered. And there are Christians today, this very moment, who are suffering and dying all over this world. Not just because of a virus, but because some are being killed because they have chose to gather together in an assembly like this and it's cost them their life. And they live in danger of doing that. And so, Peter... In light of that, in these first few verses here of 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter gives us several reasons as to why we should have hope as followers of Jesus Christ today. I want to start by looking at, at verse 3 and 4 uh, here uh, in our text this morning. Peter says this, in the midst of all of this that's going on, he says, praise be to God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because it is in His great mercy. <laughs> he has given us what? This new birth. We talked about it a few weeks ago, right? This gift of salvation. It's in His great mercy that He has saved us from our sins into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into, don't miss this, and into He has saved us from our sins, but He has also saved us into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Now, now Peter is saying, church, this is our hope, right? Our hope is in the one who has saved us from our sins. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is not in the government. Our hope is not in our health care system. Our hope is in the Lord. And Peter says, this is our hope. And then he says in verse 6, in all of this, I know what you're going through. I know the uncertainty. I know that you don't know what tomorrow holds or who may be killed next or beheaded next or set on fire next. 
I, I know that in all this, in all this, you rejoice. No, he says, you greatly rejoice. And here's why. Though now for a little while, every funeral that I preach, I remind folks that this life is just for a little while. It's only temporary. James talks about it being like a vapor that's here today and gone tomorrow. This is just for a little while. Peter says, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer. Grieve in all kinds of trials. Now, none of us here have faced the kind of grief and trials that these people were facing. And that these people were going through. The kind of persecution or death that the early church and the disciples and followers of Jesus had to face. But many of us here have suffered grief. Many of us here have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials like Peter is saying here. And many are facing it today. Folks, this life is filled with trouble. And as Christians, it would be easy for us to say, but we're God's children, right? We should receive special treatment because He's our daddy and He's our father. And, and, and so it would be easy for us to say, you know, I, I understand how this could happen in some of those other nations, but, but we're a Christian nation, right? We're a God-fearing nation. Why is this happening to us? But here's what we must learn. And we, we, we can learn it from the Old Testament and we can learn it from the New Testament and over the past 2,000 years. And it still holds true today. Regardless of the trouble, regardless of the uncertainty, regardless of the suffering, God uses it to build His faith in His children. All right? He uses these things to build our faith. Right? Use this suffering to build his children's faith in him. And I understand it's depressing to talk about suffering, but here's what I know when y'all get out there in the lobby today, because I listen to this in between services, I know what y'all talking about. Y'all talking about Corona. <laughs> huh? That's all that we can talk about. Our minds are saturated. Our minds are totally focused on all this. Right? And it's depressing to talk about and to think about, but I believe today that Peter is saying, hey, there's some encouragement here. There's some encouragement in this. Peter is writing to followers of Jesus who had been scattered all across the land. Why? Because they're running for their lives. They're trying to protect their families from these people who are killing and persecuting and torturing and, and, and executing. And so they're scattered all over the place. And, and he spends the first five verses here telling them what? Why they should have hope. Why, why they should have hope. And, and not only that but to be excited for the future right a lot of us are dreading what this week has to hold because we have no idea what's going to happen next peter's saying hey if we really had uh, uh, the future in the right perspective then we ought to be excited about it and but i'm not naive enough to think here today that any of us are are going to go home and get to the point where we enjoy suffering or enjoy, you know, being quarantined or enjoy going to funerals. But I believe that we can learn and understand some of the purpose behind it. 
uh, and yes, maybe even be able to rejoice in the midst of it. So look at verse 6 again. Peter says, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And again, he's, he's talking to the church here. He's addressing Christians who are suffering grief in all kinds of trials. So we see very clearly, just because you've been saved, don't mean it's going to be easier. Right? Just because you've been saved doesn't mean that you're exempt from trouble or that you're exempt from suffering. Right? There are Christians that have bills they can't pay. And folks, more than likely, it's probably going to get a whole lot worse before it gets better. I had a lady sharing with me this morning after early service. She works for a temp agency that sends people out to work. And she said one of their biggest employers for their agency was Hendricks College. And now that Hendricks has closed their campus and gone to online, she said, I've got to go to work tomorrow and tell those 15 people that I send over there every week that they don't have anywhere to go. Folks, Christian or non-Christian alike, there's going to be some suffering. There are still Christians who are having marriage troubles, coronavirus or not. There are still Christians today who are finding themselves in a situation of divorce in their marriage. Can I tell you today, Christians are still having strokes and still having heart attacks. Christians still get cancer. Christians still get diabetes and arthritis. Christians have rebellious kids. Christians have to stand at the grave of a child, of a spouse, of a parent, and say goodbye. But even though you may not can understand why this is happening, you can understand that you have a God who is in control. You have a God that has a plan and a purpose for all things, to work them together for good for those who love Him. There's an old saying that I love, if God brought you to it, He will bring you through it. We have no reason to be afraid. Sometimes we have trials and we have suffering and we have things that come up in our life that seem to hit us out of nowhere. Kind of like what we're facing last week. I don't know about y'all, but I was just thinking coronavirus was something that was out there, you know, in those other countries. And man, how things can change within a week. But I assure you, God was not surprised. He's not surprised or caught off guard. He knew about it before it ever happened. And He knows the end result and good will come from it. I tell families all the time that are going through something tough, a difficult situation, a diagnosis, a funeral, whatever it may be, I'll tell them. I've told many of you this, you know, you look for God because He's there. You look for God because He's at work, working all things together for good for those who love Him. He knew about this before it happened, and he has a perfect plan. In these verses, Peter's talking about much more than just having a bad day, folks. He's not referring to those times when things don't just go uh, your way. These are very powerful words he uses here. To suffer grief 
in all kinds of trials. And have, have you ever noticed that when trouble comes, it just keeps coming? Huh? When trouble comes, it just keeps on coming. And when you think that things can't get any worse, they do. That's suffering, grief, and all kinds of trials, folks. But Peter doesn't just show us the reality of suffering in the life of a Christian. But in verse 7, we see the reason. We see the reason for it. Look at how he continues in verse 7. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This verse answers that age-old question of why. Right? First Peter tells us here that, that trials and suffering, what does it do? It proves us. It proves who we are. It's going to prove that our faith is genuine. Right? People are going to be able to look at you and how you act and how you respond during this time to see if your faith is genuine in God. Is your faith in God or is your faith in toilet paper? I'm sorry, folks. I can, my family's like, you need to get over this toilet paper deal. I can't get all over it. I only have three rolls. <laughs> no, I was not prepared for the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. I just wasn't. Some of you have cases of it at your stinking house. Where's your faith? Huh? Peter's saying, this is going to prove whose faith is genuine and who's not. And I've got faith those three rows will last me as long as I need them to last. And if not, I've got a stockpile of uh, McDonald's napkins in the console of my truck. But Peter's saying, folks, don't miss this. This is going to prove our faith. Huh? This is going to prove if we're genuine in what we've been saying and what we've been teaching all this time. It's going to prove our faith. Right? Think about it. God has proved, uh, he, he talks about here, and, and that faith, that genuine faith, he uses an illustration here to say that it has greater worth than gold. And, and think about it. How is, how is gold to be, how is it proved to be valuable? How, how is it proved? Well, it's proved by being put to the test, right? Being put to the fire. If, if gold is placed in the fire and it doesn't lose its nature and it doesn't lose its weight and it doesn't lose its color, then they know that it's real and, and that, it's, that it's genuine. And, and so it is with the, the Christian who is put to the fire of trials and suffering. It will prove whether they are genuine or not. And not only does Peter tell us that trials and suffering prove us, but he also says that they purify us. Huh? That they purify us. They refine us. Think about Peter here. He is a man who knows firsthand about suffering. As a follower of Jesus Christ, he's an authority on the subject. We see in Acts chapter 4, Peter was arrested and put in prison for preaching Jesus. Acts chapter 12, Herod had Peter uh, arrested and uh, with the full intention of having him beheaded. Even as Peter is writing these words, these very words that he's writing to encourage you and to encourage me, Peter knows at this point that he's going to be executed 
and that he's going to be killed for his faith. Jesus has told him earlier uh, than this. He says, Peter, you, you will be killed for being a follower. You'll be executed for this. So even as, as Peter writes this, he knows what the end game is going to be in his life, right? So Peter knows what he's talking about here. And he knew why he was facing these things and why the church was going through these things. And he explained to the early church and to us why we face these things as well. He says, your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And he's using this illustration here again of this refining process that gold and precious metals and, and silver would have to go through. Raw gold or raw silver would be placed in the fire and this intense heat would, would melt it. And what would happen? The impurities would rise to the top. And the impurities in those things would come to the top and then they're skimmed off. Folks, don't miss this. This results in a gold that is what? More pure? Huh? It, it results in something that is more pure and more valuable than it was before it was ever put to the test and put into the fire. These fiery trials do what? They prove our faith, but they also purify us. Right? They remove the impurities from our lives that will bring us into a deeper and a closer and a more pure relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now we may not see it at the time. And we may be blinded by our circumstance. And we may get caught up in what's going on around us. But there will be a day when we will understand what the Apostle Paul meant when he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, what? An eternal glory that far outweighs them all. No matter what we face, no matter what this week holds, or the week after that, or the week after that, it's all light and momentary trouble. And it will achieve for us an eternal glory that outweighs all these things. Any trials, any struggles, any uncertainties that we face, folks, don't miss this. It is only temporary. It is not permanent. It is not eternal. It is only temporary. Now, I read this quote recently. It says, everyone walks through the fire of adversity. But whatever your experiences, joys or sorrows... Our amazing God can use every bit of your life to produce the most unexpected results. That's our God. You start looking for Him. He is at work. He is in this. And when we come out the other side of it, what we're going to experience is unexpected results. I believe that with all my heart. Because it's in your suffering that you become more aware of of God, right? It's in your suffering that you see His strength, right? And our weakness. It's in your suffering that you learn to trust Him and not yourself. You see, it's during these times like we face right now to where we can't really place our trust and our faith and our hope in our government right now. 
We can't really place it even in the, the, the health care uh, system. Uh, they'll be the first to tell you that they're highly frustrated with the fact that they can't test people appropriate like, appropriately like they know they need to do. Folks, our trust is not in these things of the world. Our trust and our hope is in Him. And in these times, our faith grows. It's in these times that He uses these situations and uses the confusion and uses the pain and uses the chaos to grow the faith of His children. And I'm not here to tell you today that the road ahead is going to be easy. But here's what I will tell you. We are not going to travel that road alone. You may get quarantined, but you're not alone. The church may not be able to get together in this building. But we're not alone. And our God, our good God, is in full control. And we can trust Him and be available to let Him grow our faith in who He is and what He's promised us. And as we close this morning, again, we've been called as a nation to prayer today so as we close this morning I encourage you to pray with me not to listen to my prayer but that we would all approach the throne of God boldly today with our prayers and if you would like to come I think there's no better time for the church to gather than it would be today as we approach this new week trusting God with what he has for us. If you'd like to come this morning, please come as we pray together. God, honestly, today we have been humbled. Uh, We have seen how quickly the world can be turned upside down. We've seen how quickly things can change. And we've seen how people respond to panic and to fear. And God, today we come before you as the children of God, knowing that we've not been promised an easy path but God we have been promised with your presence and we've been promised your help and God I pray that we would be people of faith during this time that the world would look upon and look at And they would not see panic, and they would not see fear, but they would see a church, they would see a body of Christ who has placed their faith 
their hope and their future in the hands of their father and we trust our dad God today there are people all around this world who are hurting who are isolated who are sick who are mourning the loss of loved ones so God today we want to pray for our world leaders our national leaders God that you would give them wisdom give them help I pray that they would turn to you for guidance turn to you for the help they need making the decisions going forward for all of humanity I pray for our state leaders our local leaders God even here in our city we have many in our church that are part of the the leadership of Greenbrier on the council, the mayor, many different roles. And God, I know, I've, I've talked to them. I, I know uh, the stress that goes along with being in that position and having to make tough decisions and often not knowing what the right thing is to do and the right people to listen to. So I, I pray for our leaders, God. Help them. Help them to make good decisions. Help them to be guided by you and your spirit. God, I'm reminded today of our first responders. They're the first ones to walk into a lot of these situations and scenes. God, I just pray a, a shield around them. I know that many have already been affected and impacted, but God, I pray that you would protect these first responders and the health care workers and providers that are attending to and seeing after these patients. God, protect them and their families from this. And God, I, I pray that as they are the first ones to come in contact with many of these who are sick and scared and facing uncertain days, that the peace of God would be displayed in and through these people that are doing your work and being your hands and feet. So be with them. God, be with our school leaders. I know there's a lot of anxiousness about our, our kids are our most precious possessions that we have. So there's a lot of uncertainty there about what to do. So God, again, give them wisdom. But God, I pray that as those kids walk into school tomorrow, they, they may have left a home of chaos and a home of fear and a home of just craziness. But I pray that as they walk into the school that our Christian school teachers and employees and leaders and administrators, that the peace of God would just radiate from them, that these kids would have a peace in knowing that these people love them, care for them, they've been called to serve them and to help them, and I pray that they would see the love of God as they enter those classrooms tomorrow. And then, God, if there comes a point in the time to where our schools have to be dismissed I pray for those kids that need food and need to be nurtured need to be helped and God I, I just pray that you'll show us how to respond and how to help in those areas I pray for those today who are isolated in the nursing homes and the rehab centers and the hospitals where there's limited access God I pray that they would not feel alone but they would feel your presence that you would be near to them 
and that they wouldn't be scared. And they wouldn't be confused about why no one's coming to see them. And why it seems like their family has abandoned them. Help them get through these days with your presence. Be with the families, comfort them. It's just as difficult on them. Dear God, but most of all, we would be weak in our faith if we didn't come before you and boldly ask you to stop this virus, stop the spread, stop the fear, stop the panic, bring healing to those who are sick and comfort to those who have lost their loved ones due to this illness. God, be with them in a special way. God, I pray that we as the church, as we leave here, that we would get this right. It is our time to show the world the hope and the faith that we have in you. Help us to go out from here and love our neighbors the way that you've called us to love our neighbors. Help us to join with these other churches in our community to know how to respond and how to minister to our community and our neighbors in the days ahead. And God, I pray for those in our church today that are hurting. I just can't help but think on top of all of this that's going on in our world today, we have families that are still battling cancer. We have families today in our very church that are here right now that are mourning the loss of loved ones. I continue to pray for the Rufner family and the, the Fielder family. And I just pray that in these anxious times and anxious days, God, that this will be a, a, a time that they will sense in such a powerful way your presence and your comfort with their families and in their lives today and in these days ahead. God, we love you so much. And we thank you for the reminder today of how much you love us and how much you care for us and the hope that we have in you today. So I pray as we go from this place, we'll be people of hope. We'll be people of faith. We'll be a beautiful example of our Father. And it's in his name, powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I love you guys so much. And don't forget on your way out, you can continue in your worship of giving of your tithes and offerings at the door on your way out this morning. We love you guys.